welcome to The Straw Hat with Rabbi David Wolkenfeld and Rabbinate Goldie Guy. We are the official podcast of Anshe Shalom B'nai Israel Congregation, an Orthodox synagogue in the Lakeview neighborhood of Chicago, Illinois. So as we record, I am still uh, on a high from finishing Masechet Rosh Hashanah just a few days ago with the Dafyomi cycle. Uh, Rosh Hashanah was really a, I don't know, like a hidden gem or something. I did not expect to love it so much, but I think it's like maybe my new favorite Masechet if you're allowed to have one. Uh, I really, really enjoyed. You're allowed to have one. Okay. So for now, Rosh Hashanah is my favorite Masechet. Uh, really, really enjoyed. Like short, like very, very relevant topics. The final chapter includes like all of the relevant Talmudic um, passages that describe how to do the mitzvah of shofar blowing in Rosh Hashanah, how many blasts and what they should be like, and what um, kind of shofar, what kind of shofar, all of like, like just like super, super relevant and like get to like, you know, see it from the sources. It also has a lot of really important, like key discussions on um, issues of like regular tefillah, like how like laws of tefillah and then practices of tefillah are, have their origins in Rosh Hashanah. I guess it's sort of scattered over several musechtot. Um, a lot of it's in Brachot, of course, but um, the uh, institution of Chazarat Hashatz, the so-called repetition of the Amidah, is, uh, is I guess, described in Rosh Hashanah. Uh, there is a Brita that, you know, plays this out in, in um, towards the end of the very, one of the last pages of the Masechet, in Daf Lamed Dal Lamed Bet, 34b, um, the Mishnah says, Kashem Tzibor Chayav, Kol Yachid V'Yachid, Okay, chayav, right? So each individual has to say all the words of the Amidah, and then the prayer leader repeats them. So the Brighter then says, Like, why then does everyone have to have to say their tefillot, right? What's the point of the? I mean, it's sort of it's sort of a, it's counter, a great question. It's a counterintuitive question. We often why? say, what's the purpose of the repetition of <laughs> right, the Amidah? It's the opposite, so right. here, the the Brighter says, what's the purpose of the silent Amidah? If we're all just going to get to listen to the. Because they're taking it seriously, right? If the repetition of the Amidah really works, then one or the other needs to go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So then the, the answer that he gives in the bright, So the whole reason why we have the silent Amidah is so that the Tzibor, the prayer leader, can say, can sort of like figure out what he's going to say. Because like the real Tfilah is the public, the communal Amidah, when everyone, you know, when people are, they're reading, they're chatting with their friends, or like according to Rabbi Gamliel, that is the actual prayer experience, is the Shlich Tzibor mm. praying on behalf of the congregation, everyone should be listening, like that's the main, and everything we do before then, the Salat Amidah is just to give the Shlich Tzibor a chance to practice and get ready to, to say what they're going to say. So then they ask, Amr Lehem Rabbi Gamliel, and Rabbi said to them, Lama Lama Tzibor, you're readily finished. So what's the purpose? Then that, he's, Rabbi Gamliel then asks the mm-hmm. counter question, if you think that like the essential prayer obligations fulfilled by the private Amidah, the silent Amidah, then why do you need a repetition altogether? So Amrulo, they say to him, because there's some people who don't know how to pray, so the Shalit Sibor is going to pray on their behalf, which, especially at a time when there was no... Um, printing press. There was no printing press. They were, right, they were, people didn't have Sidorim, and so, <laughs> like, if you didn't know, you you had no choice but to listen to the Shalit Sibor. So... And so he said to them, So Raman Gamda thinks, no, the Shlich Tzibor is actually praying even on behalf of those who mm. do know how to pray for themselves, even on behalf of those of us who do have our own Sidorim, our Machsarim. Mm. Uh, we can say our own words, the communal Amidah, the repetition of the Amidah, that is actually the main Amidah. So I think that that's, I don't know, I, I, that's... Uh, I would say not necessarily my experience of being in Shul. <laughs> I would say I, I try to focus um, really hard on the silent Amidah. I, um, any energy I have that I'm going to invest in that prayer experience, I really pour into 
the private Amida and saying with Kavanah and sort of whatever meditative practices they're going to engage in, whatever process I go through to have uh, a focused, intentional tefillah, I really pour into the silent Amidah and the public Amidah, the communal Amidah, the repetition of the Amidah is, uh, you know, I'm not chatting with people, but I'm maybe I'm learning a little bit of Torah from a book that I have near my seat or, you know, mm. thinking about something else or, right, not, not necessarily uh, of Reverend Gamliel's the mindset that, no, this is the, the actual most important part. Well, so why do you think he says that? What is he imagining takes place? I mean, it, to me, I would think it's saying that the shliach tzibur somehow harnesses the power of everyone being present and presents it before God somehow, right? As as they're, like, whereas we're, when we're doing our individual amidah, right, we're still kind of standing as individuals in a tzibur, but as individuals. It is more yeah. powerful, but still. And then he comes with, yeah, Rabbi Gamliel seems more in tune with a, a model of like the Beit HaMikdash, right? There's rich, this public ritual that is effective for the entire community, for the entire nation is like having their, our religious needs, our uh, religious requirements and obligations are being fulfilled that by what the Kohen is doing in Yerushalayim. Like mm-hmm. that's for everyone. And so mm. we don't have that anymore, but we have the Shalit Tzibor. He represents mm. the community. He's standing in the middle of the shul. He's saying the words. Right. And so we all can like... So he's the Kohen and that's ideally how it's supposed to work in this model. Right? Yeah. If, we're, if, if uh, Tfilot Keneged Tmidim Tiknu, right? Like, yeah. If, if our prayer experience is, is uh, corresponding to the daily offerings in the temple. So interesting. Then, yeah, I think it's something like that. And I, I, we should all do smicha on our sitters. <laughs> like there are, yeah. Um, versus if the private Amidah is the more important one. So everyone has their own thoughts, everyone has their own concerns, everyone has their own worries. Um, you know, you don't have to choose. You could actually pay attention to both, <laughs> right? You could... Didn't know that was an option. It is an option. You could yeah. say your own private Amidah. That's, I, I try to be actually, you know, in, if you've been to Anshishol, I say, like on Shabbat Yentif, I say... Please take whatever time you need to complete your private Amidah. The communal Amidah will begin in so-and-so, you know, in a few minutes on page whatever. So that language I try to, is um, intentional that I don't say, I feel like you say the repetition of the Amidah, you're kind of telling, that's, that's equivalent to saying the superfluous Amidah. You know, like the, 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 the Amidah you don't have to pay attention to is about to begin, which is really inviting people to check out. So by saying the communal Amidah, mm. uh, I try to... You know, convey that no, this is actually you just said it now, and as an individual, now we're all going to say you know these words again as a congregation through the mouth of the shliach tzibur, through the mouth of the representative, and all of us through listening and saying amen to his brachot. So, uh, I I don't know that you have to footnote your announcement so that people understand the significance of the language. I should footnote my. I should footnote. That's a great project for you know uh, my my sabbatical. I'll, I'll, I'll go and. But no, all of my announcements. No, my yeah. Everything has everything's intentional. Oh, look at that! <laughs> uh, a, another really great, uh, like a comparable idea, actually, uh, about Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel then at the end of the Masechet talks about how the, the Gemara says that he was fulfilling the obligation. I feel that he believed that the prayer leader was not only praying on behalf of those who were in the shul, but also was praying for those who were out in the fields, which uh, it seems were people who could not get away from there their work to come to shul and so mm-hmm. like that was fine like they could like dive in mincha because like mincha said in their shul and they're out harvesting you know wheat in in the fields or whatever which i think is also like a beautiful that's like a beautiful image it seems to be in line with the beta mcdash model that mm-hmm. uh something can be happening communally centrally and and all of us are taken care of by that right i heard a story of somebody who once came to shul late very very late and 
somebody never happened. So uh, some of this happened to you. So somebody said to him, "Oh, you're." It was not you. Okay. Someone said to him, uh, uh, "You're very late. You know, like, you're, what are we doing, showing up to shul so late?" And the person said, "Look, like, either you had me in mind, in which case it's okay that I wasn't here, and if you didn't have me in mind, then what value was your prayer?" <laughs> which Ouch. I thought was a good, good, snappy comeback, right? Like, we, we we're doing something special when we were in shul together, and we should have in mind that we're we're praying not just for ourselves, not just for the congregation as is present in the room at that time, but for the entire community, including family members who are not in shul, including the whole world. Like everyone, you know, there's a lot of uh, needs out there. It just really depends how you see the nature of our individual observances post uh, Chorban, right? Things that were communal and then got repositioned onto the individual, the kind of Zechel Chorban or, or in place of the what happened in the Beit HaMikdash. I don't know, I'm thinking back to, to Masechet Sukkah with, uh, right, in the beginning, right, the Lulav was Nital Mikdash, right, in the, right, every day. And then, then it was adopted that it's done by individuals every single day, right, instead of just... On the first. Right, taking Lulav and Etrog so, is a one-day mitzvah in the Torah <laughs> outside the Beit HaMikdash. Masechet Sukkah says, and also Masechet Rosh Hashanah. It's a pre Yeah, Hashanah. yeah, yeah. It's but repeated. Zakai says that we... It's, sim- it's like a similar... Right? Sorry, it's, it's right? You see, that, that we take it all seven days, even outside the Beit HaMikdash, right? right? And that's kind of like saying we're taking what happened in the Beit HaMikdash and we're putting it into our individual homes. And then, right, instead of just one representative being the, the Kohen or the Shliach Tibor doing our religious worship for us, it actually, we become the Kohanim in some way, right? Right. The Chorban kind of democratizes, good, you know, good. observance. So, I, yeah, so, so it I, depends which model you look at. And So I think, I, so I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that, like, there's a power to both, that yeah, yes, we absolutely. have to pray for yourself, and as you taught us before Shoshana, it all depends on me, and I have to do it myself, and I have to take responsibility for my own life and my own mitzvot, and... No one, you know, after 120 years, you don't get someone sitting next to you in there. You got to be accountable for your life and what you accomplished, what you didn't, and et cetera. And also, I think um, we could also have other people in mind and sort of have that kavanah for them too. So it's not just the, it's not the Kohen or the prayer leader who has everyone in mind, which is what Ron Gamliel talked about, which is that halakhi voice. I think like all of us, like as Community. like just people, yeah. like, yeah, like you come to shul, you're... Like, like, pray for yourself and, and pray for everyone else. Like, the whole world need, needs, needs tefillah uh, and, and have, have everyone in mind. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, I, I, very, I have a very tense memory. Uh, Rabbi Ravinder, my, my first Rosh Hashiva, uh, said, you know, if, if you know, uh, if you know Aleph Bait, and, like, you have a responsibility to teach Aleph Bait to someone who doesn't. Like, whatever you, like, they just take, there's just like, so much need. Like, the Jewish people have needs, the world has needs, and if you have... Uh, the capacity to meet some of those needs, so you got to got to do something. He felt like every every Jew with a benefit of a strong Jewish education, every mm-hmm. graduate of a day school, everyone who spent any time in yeshiva should go and like teach after in Hebrew school. You know, go go teach Aleph Bek to someone who doesn't know Aleph Bek. Right, right but this is even this is even stronger in saying right. It's not you don't even have to go teach. Just come daven your tefillah, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that is for the benefit of the entire community. Look, so I don't know how that works, you know, okay? But I think the, eth- <laughs> I think the ethos, the ethos I appreciate, right? Of just like yeah. not, it's not about building my own Noah's Ark and like saving myself and my family. It's about like the world is at risk, the world is as needs, <laughs> and I have to bring those needs with me mm. when I stand before a Kaddish Baruch Hu, right? When I learn Torah, it's not just for my own intellectual stimulation. I have to like, I'm learning, so like, like Lilmod Lilamed, right? I'm learning to teach. I'm learning to and to do, right? And to bring others with me alongside. Like I think that we we uh, the needs are too great to be like kind of uh, you know too too individual in our focus.
So we succeeded in bringing our kids groups indoors this past Shabbat. It was amazing. Uh, the, it was cold, and uh, so we sort of uh, weren't necessarily, you know, uh, as a half by choice, half by necessity. We brought our kids groups inside, and uh, thank God it was really successful. I, I wasn't sure that. Uh, People would send their kids to indoor groups, but uh, I'm gratified. Or that the kids would be excited about groups without snacks at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're still keeping our kids masked indoors, so we're not serving them snacks at during the groups. Moment, yeah. um, and uh, I, I think this is all about an expression of an ethos that we've talked about before. I, my pithy aphorism is we're doing what we can while we can, right? Okay, we don't know. Maybe things will get better. Maybe things will get worse. But if something is legal and safe uh, at the moment... Uh, we should take advantage of that opportunity. And we know that every individual family has a different risk profile and a different risk tolerance. And I have like just infinite um, sympathy for everyone's, you know, like different paces by which they feel comfortable doing this or that or whatever. Like I really, but I think that we, the shuls should be trying as best we can within the parameters of what the law allows and what um, is considered reasonably safe to kind of try to maximize the experience for people who do want that in-person experience. And so from that perspective, it was really gratifying. Yeah. Uh, it was so wonderful. I don't know that I've seen like the Bima full of kids at the end of Davening yet since I've been here. I, I think you haven't yeah. since, since you've been here. And I... It I, was I, lovely. And <laughs> handing them... I don't know. Handing them lollipops on the Bima is just a different experience than handing them lollipops in the parking lot. Though I did both Oh, this you did week. both. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, <laughs> I did both. I came with a stock. I'm did they, not... Did they double? I'm not... Um, <laughs> they're not double dipping, I hope. They're not... The, I, I see who gets the lollipops. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> There's a couple of pulled. I want one for my brother. Kind yeah, of. That, that I'm always very suspicious it's so of. so Very suspicious. <laughs> I want for my brother. It's like, tell me your brother's name and birthday. Okay? Why aren't they... Where are they? Okay, fine. I know yeah. their names. I just want to make sure. I'm like... <laughs> I'd like to come and say good Shabbos to them. That's what I say. Yeah, oh, that's nice. That's nice. I, I tend to let. I, I feel like people who want to take lollipops for their sibling—that's actually the kind of like caring and concern nice. for a sibling we want to encourage. So I try that's to true. encourage that. I do. I, I do. Really but I am, I, there is like ten percent of me that is like you, you know a little bit suspicious. Like I, you better give that to your brother, you know, or else you know. But uh, it was really nice. And I think often I always I, say I'm like it's so nice of you to think of your sibling. Where are they? <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. I. Um, I often have said to you, I know it's like a trope, I say to you, oh, this like thing that was, that we've done this past, like, was nothing like before COVID in terms of the numbers or whatever, but this was actually like, this was, this these numbers of kids, <laughs> in the game, this was like a, this would have been a respectable amount of kids up there, even for yeah. pre-COVID numbers, really, really gratifying to see. Um, it was in part due to the amazing bar mitzvah that happened this week. That was a wonderful simcha and a wonderful yeah. reason to bring more people to the shul. And uh, it was, it was, it was uh, like a whole new generation of little kids who were too, before yeah. COVID, were too, uh, couldn't walk on their own two feet to go get a lollipop. <laughs> and thank God now they're up there. And I, you know, then there's a whole, you know, I guess a generation of kids, I guess, are too cool for lollipops. So, so I guess they were. Some of them still take. Some still of them, that's fine. You're never, yeah. yeah. I think until, until a bar abutment, so you can come up and take a lollipop. I, I'm fine with that if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're willing to come up. Um, but we have, you know, we, the, the, uh, the rule I do have, which um, the youngest kids did not know, is that you can't swap colors for a different color. Oh. Uh, that, I, that I don't allow. I've so. been I've been allowing it a little. Oh, I know you're, some you're, of their favorite my, colors. There's it's nice. It's blue. They, Everyone likes blue. No, really. We have one little girl who loves orange every no single time. Huh, Everything's well, orange. Huh. 
See, you get to know the kids. <laughs> huh, okay, I have like a whole bunch. I have like everyone wants. Can I switch for yeah. blue? Can I switch for blue? Orange or green? Yeah. I've had. Yeah. I've had different requests. So. Okay, so I, my ethos is you get what you get, and you don't get upset wow. when it comes to lollipops. But well, it depends if I run out. If I have enough, I give them a choice. The point is, <laughs> it's really, really nice to see uh, happy children with their parents uh, learning how to dive in, learning that school is a fun place. Uh, here's, you know, like standing next to their parents as we sing the final tefillot of the Shabbat morning service, uh, standing next to their parents as the parents are listening to Mourner's Kaddish and then mm-hmm. dancing and singing Adon Olam. It's a really, really beautiful moment. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, I think I, I, the kids obviously like it, but it, it's also, um, uh, and the parents I think are happy when their kids are, parents are usually happy when their kids are happy, but even like people who don't have young children in the shul, uh, really enjoy seeing it. It's like a good, it's a, people feel good about uh, sort of seeing that joyous younger generation uh, experiencing Judaism in our shul. So it was uh, really great that we were able to bring it back and uh, please God, we should be able to do so safely uh, many, many months to come. Amen. Um, so this week's Parsha is Parsha Vayeshlach. Uh, and there's a beautiful idea in the Svat Emet that I just wanted to relay and maybe uh, see what you, you think about this. Um, Let's so the, hear it. The pasuk, the pasuk says, uh, And Yaakov came whole or perfect, um, restored to Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan when he comes from Padan Aram, and, and he, he camps there, and it says that he uh, built a Mizbeach, an altar to God, and it has this odd name that he gives it. It says, and Yaakov called the altar El Elohe Israel. So that's an odd phrase to parse. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that Yaakov called uh, the altar by these three names, right? El Elohe Israel. Huh. Um, or it could be, if you parse it another way, Vaikralo El, right? That someone called someone. God, mm-hmm. uh, or or someone calls it God, or right? It's it's a confusing uh, uh, phrase, and so the Mefarshim pick up on this of like who is doing the calling, who is doing the naming here, uh, and Rashi Rashi says on this pasuk vayikralo el Elohe Yisrael lo shamizbeach karui Elohe Yisrael. It's not that the uh, mizbeach was named by Yaakov, God of Israel. Ella al shem kadosh baruchu imo. It was named for the fact that God was with Yaakov v'hitzilo um, and and saved Yaakov. Karashem mizbeach al shem hanes liot shivcho shel makom niskar bekriat Hashem. Right, so he called the mizbeach uh, uh, like as a, a point of miracle, right, on the name of the miracle, on the account of the miracle that was done uh, for him by God. Uh, Rashi later on. And uh, his commentary quotes uh, the Gemara in Megillah eighteen uh, a uh, that Chazal said that Shakadashparhu Kraoliakov El that the way we should read the pasuk is that Vaikra Lo is God calling Yaakov and what name did did God call Yaakov El like that God called Yaakov with this divine name and uh, the the Gemara uh, the the Hasidic thinker the Sfat Emet. Uh, comments on this and says, why Why would Yaakov be bestowed a divine name? Why would Hashem decide to give Yaakov the name of God or the name of God? And the, the Sfat Emet explains that um, a kriya 
is a minui. Calling someone something, bestowing upon them a title or a new name, Ooh. is appointing <laughs> them. That's wow. A, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. It does, especially for people in positions of leadership or given a title, given a degree, given uh, you know a so role. Fancy right? job description. It's like Any it's, fancy mm. job description gives you a job to do, right? Yeah. You are now appointed to fulfill this role. So when God is calling Yaakov El, according to this understanding of this enigmatic phrase, God calls Yaakov divinity, right? God says, it is now your job, Yaakov, to bring divinity down into the world. I'm going mm. to give you this name because that is your mission, and you will walk around with this divine mission, right? So now he's not only Rabbi Yaakov, he's God Yaakov, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and is Emissary of God, representative of Emissary, God. But I don't know. This is more extreme. I know you're trying to soften it. It's more extreme. It's, it's, a, it's a text that says that God called Yaakov God and said, you're a, wa- you're a walking God in the world, right? We talk about Selim Elohim all the Kav time. Kav Yaakov, as it were. Okay, Kav Yaakov. Why? The Hasidim weren't afraid. Okay, you, we can, we're going to soften it because we're not the Sfatim no. But the Sfatimet doesn't doesn't soften it, right? Okay, right. That the that just like when God calls light day, right? And that's the, that's the light's job is to illuminate the world. So too, it's God calling Yaakov El and saying it's your job to bring godliness, to bring divinity into Beautiful. the world. Wow, um, it's it's heavy. It's a lot. I don't know that we would say it now, right? Right. That's what the in the commentaries as well, as well, right? right? It had not the verse said it, we could not say such Correct. a thing. That's yeah. the hesitancy we're feeling in this pasuk. It's Indeed. so odd to call, yeah. right? We don't think that people are divinities, right? Like that's just not it. Um, but the, the pasuk does say it and we take this idea from, or says something that might indicate this idea. Yeah, right? and, and, and maybe, then, maybe Yaakov not like as a person, but Yaakov as uh as a representative of our collective identity as Jews mm. and what we can accomplish together when we connect to our mission and right. Right, as that, we are Israel, we're, we're, we're the children of Yaakov, of Bnei yeah. Israel, and it's yeah. our job to bring divinity into Beautiful. the world after being bestowed this name. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know it made you uncomfortable theologically. <laughs> no, I, I'm, it's I'm, okay. I'm working on it, I'm working on it. Thank you. <laughs> You have that set of Tzvadet Met, that, that beautiful set that we now have in the, and we, we've learned it week in, week out. This is, this is the Tzvadet Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't, I, I, I own myself to play. <laughs> thank you, thank you.